Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Well, back from Sonoma Dragway this last weekend. You guys see if you're on my Instagram or my Facebook, you would see me posting from Samoa Drag Strip in Eureka, California. We're out there for the Fast Four Cartel event, and all I can tell you is it was a good time. I had no show car, no drag car. I did about eight podcasts while I was there. Lots of legends in the sport. And most importantly, got to hang with the family at Flat Four Cartel Drag Races. I can tell you it was like a family vibe. So cool. Just a just a great group of people and some awesome racing. I, have, I mean, no, no drag car, no show car, and I'm just there to hang out. And it was, it was an awesome event. Met plenty of people, recorded a bunch of podcasts. I can't say enough about it, man. You guys get a chance to go check out a Fast Four Cartel event, man. You must go. But that's what we're talking about in this episode. This episode, I interview Jeff Kramarsik, a.k.a. JK, and Jeff Newcomb, a.k.a. Nuke. We get them both on the podcast. We find out all about the Fast Four Cartel, why they started it, what they're doing, what their goal is, and some of the details of how it breaks down different than other racing organizations. Now, before we get into that, I want to let you guys know there's five weeks left until the greatest time you can have in Vegas in your Volkswagen. And that's going to be Let's Talk Dubs, one crazy weekend that's happening October 7th and 8th. you got one week left to book your rooms. The room discount code is VWCJ22C. That's VWCJ22C. Go to letstalkdubs.com, click on the link that says Showtime, and book your room there for your discount. October's real busy in Vegas. Get smoking deals at the Orleans Hotel and Casino. That's where all the events will be taking place. That's the start and finish point of everything. It's secure. It's safe. There's trailer parking. This weekend, we're going to throw out a bonus episode roundtable with George and I, and we're going to talk about the event. We're going to talk about our experience at Fast Four Cartel. There's going to be a bunch of stuff we're going to get into detail on. But until then, you guys need to get your rooms booked. Don't come crying to me when you want to come to Vegas and there's no hotel rooms. You got one week left to book your room, so it's decision time. Look your wife dead in the eyes and say, honey, we're going. Get in the car. We're going to Vegas October 7th and 8th for one crazy weekend. That's going to be organized strip cruise Friday night. Saturday morning kicks off a car show from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. And then 5.30 that evening, we kick off. The one crazy weekend poker run. And for that poker run, I'm giving away $2,000 in cash to the winners of the poker run. And then maybe some extra bonus stuff to give out during that as well. So I'm looking forward to having you guys come out. Make sure I don't want you guys to get stuck at a, at a bad hotel or that kind of stuff. Orleans Hotel Casino, this event is sponsored by Finley Volkswagen here in Las Vegas. There's also... At the Orleans Hotel Casino, plenty of trailer parking, so don't worry about your trailers. They're secure. they got 24-hour security. Where your VWs be parked, they're secured all night. No need to fret or worry about any of that kind of stuff. There'll be people posted there the entire evening, so there is no need to worry about that at all. So let's make sure that you guys come out to Las Vegas October 7th and 8th to the Orleans Hotel Casino to the Finley Volkswagen One Crazy Weekend. It's going to be a great time. So don't be sad when you're looking at the pictures online and you realize you could have been cruising your car down Vegas Boulevard with the largest group of Volkswagens on the strip. So I look forward to seeing you guys there. Don't forget to check out our sponsors, VW Trends Magazine at VWTrendsMagazine.com and Ross Wolf at RossWolf.com. Quality parts by quality dudes. Go check them out. But let's get into it this week, guys. JK and Nuke from Fast Four Cartel on this week's Let's Talk Dubs. 
Volkswagen that's big enough. The new VW Fastback Sedan. The Fastback also has the most powerful engine we've ever made. It's air-cooled. That's a little roomier in the inside. And in the back, where most cars have their trunks, we have a... Come into your Volkswagen dealer. He'll show you where the motor is. Okay, everybody. So on today's podcast, I've got an exciting event. I took off this last week. Uh, called my board, my boy George, with the '67 that's never been on the track, and it says "Run your motor, not your mouth." And I thought we were bringing his car up to the drags today, but we didn't. We drove a Chevy Duramax, and I still love George, and just not to fade on him. But what we did is we came all the way up here to the Blitz on the Beach too, which is happening up here in. Eureka. Eureka, California, and it's literally a drag strip that's right on the water, and I'm here, and this is put on by the Fast Four Cartel, and I got the two guys responsible for the Fast Four Cartel here with me today. I got Jeff Kramarsik over here with me, goes, who goes by JK, and I got Jeff Newcomb, a.k.a. Nuke. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, man. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Thanks for coming. So, I wanted to get into the nitty-gritty of how did the Fast Four Cartel start and why? Uh, well, I, if we go all the way in the way back, um, we were going to events in Sacramento that have been around forever. Um, the Bugarama Promotions put on events down there, uh, two big weekends, uh, Memorial Day and Labor, Labor Day. Day. Mm-hmm. And um, I did a lot of racing with uh, my partner, Dean, who's also part of the cartel, helps us out in the staging lanes, Dean Nelson. And uh, for many, many years, I've been racing these cars. Um, and JK had been to the track and been racing many years, too. And we were not extremely stoked, me and Dean. We've been doing it for a long time. We weren't stoked with the way our class was. And so we stepped out. We stepped out and decided to pursue a different platform originally. Um, so we kind of backed out of it a little bit. And we would go help our friends and see them. I, one of the groups uh, out of Nevada, the J Bros Camp. Um, I've been tight, good friends with them for a long, long time. And I would show up, hang out with JK at the track, and we would go um, help them if they needed help. Because some of these fast cars, it takes a crew. So anyway, <clears throat> looking looking a little bit further, a couple years down the road, um, one of the uh, popular forums online, um, guys were talking about making adjustments to one of the classes. We, were, we ran a class, me and Dean ran a class called ProMod. And uh, we hadn't been online and hadn't talked with anybody in a long time. And so some of the some of the guys, not necessarily the promotions guys, but some of the racer guys were reaching out to me, asking me about making adjustments or helping them with rules for their class. Sure. <clears throat> and so we went back online and started talking a little bit with these guys about what to do and what not to do or what we thought would or wouldn't be fair because we thought the rules needed some help at the time. Uh, me and Dean did. Um, so anyway, we... I got I started getting online, and this is after being offline. I think a year, maybe, in the forums, something like that. You know, mm-hmm. it was a cow look. It was a cow look forum. Uh, Ultimate air cooled. Brian right. Ross's uh, yep. forum. Okay, so <clears throat> we're on there talking, and nobody can really come to an agreement, and uh, so we kind of let it fade out, um, and nothing really became of it. 
until now, now when you say nobody came to an agreement like they said hey nuke help us with this you're like here do this and they're like well we don't want that kind of help and yeah like, because what am I the, here for? <laughs> the rules format is such that i mean the fast guys don't want to give up what they've gained and worked hard for and then there's no room for the slow guys so um being that we ran pro mod me and dean we would talk numerous times with some of the guys about what we thought needed adjustments to make it what we thought was going to be more fair to make it more competitive for guys. Now, you're, when you, when you're talking about this, is this one class? Or this is this what this at the time was one class. Now, it wasn't just that uh, Dean had an idea that morphed into our biggest class in the cartel, and that was to run an index number set of an index a set of index numbers all in one class to group more cars, being able to run one class right with uh, dissimilar platforms, if you will. Sure. And, and create a bigger class. Because what we were seeing was um, we were the the group at the time was adding more classes to their event. Mm-hmm. And now you've got 11 classes and there's like three, four cars in each event. So and between me talking with the guys about ProMod and Dean and me also, mainly Dean talking with the guys about doing an adjusted index and creating three classes in one to grow a big class. Right. Um, that's That's kind of the pitch that we had for that that particular group at the time um nobody really in that in that group saw any merit in what we had to offer and that was fine and now to some of the listeners that don't really understand drag racing what you are essentially doing is taking like and, and taking multiple classes and making it almost like a bracket race yes yes to some extent so if you've yes. got a 12 second car you can line up with a 10 second car yes and on your dial in in theory, if both guys are running perfect, you cross the line at the, at the same, same time. time. Yeah, index racing is essentially bracket racing where your number is chosen for you, and then everybody tries to hit that number. Meaning, so if you go if you go outside of the well, the Volkswagen world did it for a long time too. Right. I think the Bugarama guys had super gas. Maybe it was eleven ninety index they okay. called it. So every car there tried to run an eleven ninety. Well, they had a few different classes that were indexes that way. And so Dean's idea was, why don't you take two or three class since the classes are suffering. Take all three of those and put them in one class and just stagger the index numbers. Right. Makes, so makes sense. I mean, more right. more people to race, and if yes. you're running alongside a, a car that's two seconds faster, but you get the jump. Yes. It makes it right. Still it makes just them as even at the end. Yes. Right. And they're still technically kind of heads up, so to speak, because you have to run the same number all day long. You know, you don't make adjustments and stuff like that. Actually, to back up a little bit more, Dean was kind of pushing that even when we were racing. It was his idea to try to get them because they were seeing the car counts dwindle. Right, so, so it's, it's not fun when you see that car at the end of the at the end of the race just run by itself just to get a time. And yes, right, yeah. So, anyway, <clears throat> most of that stuff didn't really uh, pan out for anybody involved. And then I was approached by the track in Reading, the people that are running the track in Reading, about putting on something um, or trying to get some of the Volkswagen guys to come out and run because I'd raced in Reading for many years with my car by myself. I was like the lone wolf out there. Now, are you, know, you from Reading? Yes. Because Redding's, uh, it, that's a haul from Sacramento. Yeah, it's two and a half hours. It's not super bad. Oh, that's bad. it? I yeah. Don't, I don't mm-hmm. know why I felt. Yeah. No, it's only a couple hours up the road. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I passed Redding to get here then is what you're saying. Or yeah, if it... you came from Sacramento, you we did. We did. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. And then you right. came over probably on 299 maybe. I don't know. Jo- George was half asleep driving some of the time. But did you guys all... come over 299 over the hill? No, no. We did. Yeah, we came on oh, okay. the outside. All right, but, but at it. any but rate. same way. Yeah. yeah, so anyway, the guys at the Reading track uh, asked me if I could put something together to bring Volkswagens out there. And I said, well, I can do – I can try to do a couple things. And so I, I were toying around ideas of trying to do something. And I was working – I think I was talking and working with uh, Radney at Rad Performance. 
and um, Brad Design, sorry, excuse me. And uh, he was working with a NASA group out of Sacramento, which is all Volkswagen-based, mainly brackets. Mm -hmm. And so in talking with him, trying to come up with ideas to build interest in something new to get more guys to come back out. That wasn't just a bracket class. And anyway, at any rate, um, the track called me. I got to talking with him. I had a couple ideas on the Heads Up class. I'd been talking with JK in the meantime about it as well. Um, and let's do something out at Reading, and how will we do it? So talking with the Reading track managers, they said, well, you guys can essentially piggyback onto an event that we already have. Then you don't have to rent the facility. Cheaper, we already have a race day. And we want to add a group of Volkswagens in. So that's when me and JK, we knew each other and we would talk at the track, but we didn't, we didn't have any kind of relationship past, Hey, what's going on? And, and, you know, so then we, then me and him really started talking and bouncing ideas off of each other. And JK is very well versed with, um, uh, Don, Donald Long, he goes by duck in the V8 world, puts on huge, huge races in the Midwest. And he follows that quite a bit, or he did at the time for sure. Mm -hmm. And so some of the, uh, those classes, the classes that Don promotes, there are tire specific classes where everybody has to run the same tire. And I don't care what the platform is. Oh, really? Yes. So it can be a Chevy, it can be a Ford, it can be this, it can be that, you know, within reason. So it, it allows these guys to have a lot uh, more flexibility with creating an engine platform. And then the tire ends up being the limiting factor. So in us talking about it, I'm like, that's a great idea. Why don't we try to adapt that into the Volkswagen world? Because nobody's really done it yet. Somebody, uh, maybe AJ Sims had a 165 mm -hmm. class um, in LA off of piggybacking off of, um, I think that maybe the Periscope group with their with their series. Right, um, Buggins. Buggins, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, which are put on by the Kimballs. Um, but it didn't have a, a huge following, and nobody, nobody at that point. That was the only thing that was ever really tried with a tire being uh, a specific rule thing. So anyway, uh, we came back, we went back and forth about it, and I was telling them about Reading. Reading's going to let us piggyback onto an event, and I asked Reading if I could bring, you know, four or five classes because I wanted to do a do an index thing, and they're like, well, we only have so much room, and then it clicks in my head. Why don't we try Dean's idea, which was the triple index idea, where you take the three index numbers and stack them together. Now you have a a 13, 8, a 12, 8, and 11, 8 second car, and they can all race. So now, now instead of just having four or five cars that can run 13s or 12s, now you have a 14, a 12, an 11, or whatever it is. And right? there's a staggered start based sta on And there's staggered starts yeah. based on it. And so um, that's where the early, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's where the early idea was to go to Reading. Yes. Right. right? Um, and then for that. So in the meantime, between between doing that some of the guys in the in the uh i think on the uac and the ultimate air cooled board some of the promod guys were talking and somewhere in there we got approached right did we get approached by 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 uh one of the holes or was it just us talking on the the whole family runs a bugger amber promotion right right yeah um somewhere in there i'm it's a little bit foggy through there how it all played yeah. out so anyway <clears throat> in between all of the, me us trying to figure out the reading thing and trying to help out the Buggerama promotion guys, not help, I shouldn't say help out, but trying to come up with something um, for the ProMod guys, we started developing uh, rules for a, a breakout heads-up class that we, in the end, called 90 Pro. 90 Pro. Um, and so I think maybe Brian Watts was the liaison, if you want to call it, between the whole the whole family and us, or Steve mainly. I think Steve Hole was the was the the head guy over there. Right. Um, and then eventually I ended up talking with Steve 
and I said, this is my idea for the class. And we kind of went back and forth about it and I talked with JK and talked with Brian a little bit. And, and so, and even Rodney at, at the time. So the four of us are kind of talking me and JK are doing a bulk of the talking, trying to figure out how we want to dial this in. I come up with a whole set of rules. I give it to these guys and I say, what will you do to let us have a lane at, at one of your events? We'll let you have a lane. And so we came up with an agreement on what we wanted to do. And Nino was born. So <clears throat> Buggerama comes up. Um, they give us a lane. We do nine. I think we had 17 cars show up. It was the biggest class huge. that they had in a long time. And we brought four or five cars that were out of retirement that were parked for five, six years, something like that. Yeah. These guys put all their cars together and we reached out to a lot of people and tried to come up with stuff, but we tried to bring some money in and get some sponsor guys coming and all of that. And, um, the Reading race had not happened as of yet, but we did the nine Oh race in Sacramento. And it was a big success. The guys all huge. loved it. Yeah. yeah, it was a huge success, really. We had guys that ran some of the Sacramento, uh, some of the Bug Around Promotions classes and ran. So they ran, they double dipped, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right, more time on the tracks, better yeah. for yeah. everybody who wants to race, and, right? And, it, and in our, to, to our credit, I think, um, we'd ran with these guys a long time, a number of years. They were friends. They knew we were racers. Um, they knew me and Dean, uh, especially running classes with him. They knew J&K from him being at the track and running his car with them. So there was an immediate kind of uh, trust, familiarity. You know, these these are our people. Sure. You know, I trust the guy if he makes the call. And and we were one thing that we wanted to do that we didn't have that we didn't see happening when we raced was we wanted these guys to know they had direct access to the guys putting on the race. If you have a question about rules, whether your car fit, if we thought something was bad or good or whatever, you could just call us so social media became our red phone in the in the library via batman right so uh, i got a call you know so and so to find out if my i can run this cylinder head with this or this that and the other thing um the race director that worked for buggerama was harder to get a hold of and try to get clarity on if you're going to bring your car down there and race it was always for me anyway and i wasn't the only one i felt like too difficult to to get questions clarified you know in a timely manner and is the do you think there's a difference because maybe does the race director race a car or do you so th- they have a race director the race director didn't there at the time so do you think that the fact that you are a racer you know the urgency to get back the information so someone can keep working on their car and give them a call whether it's a good or not like that's a benefit for you um, being able to do that i think a thousand percent yes. sure because i knew there was a lot of frustration for us in our class because we had so many varying platforms that right well, we don't know. Well, let's just start the race and see what happens. Well, I don't, you know, I don't know that I should or could shouldn't, or that seems like it shouldn't be legal for the class or whatever. Right. So anyway, um, and even the guys with uh, uh, from Buggerama and they enjoyed the new found spark, something that was different, that was fresh. Um, it was a different way of thinking because there hadn't been a capped class ever. That was really heads up until you ran. And then if you ran too fast, you broke out. Mm-hmm. Right. So that idea got me some flack in the very beginning because guys were like, well, you can't just it's an index. I'm like, it's not an index. It's not a, really an index until you break out. Right. Well, that doesn't make any sense. So part of the idea was um, let's come up with something. Me and him went back and forth all the time about it. We need something that's fresh, that's different, that we can implement. Maybe we take it from another uh, racing organization you know, outside of the Volkswagen world. Sure. And or let's come up with something different. I mean, I had long discussions with Dean and the rest of the guys in the J Bros camp, not all of them, but a good chunk of them about um, 
what can we do that's not the norm? People may or may not fight it, but let's try something different that, yeah, it doesn't seem to make sense because why can you break out? If you won, you won. Well, right. You can't go too fast, you know. Yeah. And and the whole thing with the 9.0 Pro thing, at the time, there was only how many cars that had been faster than 9.0. Yes, and that was the other side so, of it. But so it was you like still, the cap in the VW it, world. Correct. Exactly. There, but, was, but uh, there was less than 10 guys on the planet yes. that had ever been into the 8s. I think there was still, less than 7. Yeah, I don't. it wasn't more than much more than one hand. Yes. But you, you tell them, oh, this is 9.0, it's an index. So it was very difficult for them to grasp that it's an index class, but it's for the most part heads up because you've never gone that fast before. Right. Sure. Yeah. So, so the, it the was, thinking was different too. Yeah. yeah. And now you guys go through this, trying to develop this 9.0 class with these other platforms and whatnot. What's the final point where you just say, you know what, we're just going to do this ourselves and we're going to start the fast four cartel. Well, uh, unfortunately, we had some difficult conversations with the other promoters um, that felt like I needed it. We needed to implement because they saw that there was going to be something there because it was exciting, at least for the time being. Right. For sure. So can you guys come run it at all the events? I think they had five or six events the whole time. I'm like, I really don't want to do it at all the events. We we were talking about doing the Sacramento events because then we're not traveling. You know, we work and we have families and everything else. Uh, well, we, we don't think that you should maybe you just let our guys run it with your rules and then you can show up when you show up. And I'm like, yeah. nothing personal, but if, if it's my class, I want to, I'm, and, and I'm the rule guy and JK runs the other half of it. Then we need to be there at the race. Right. You know? And so we, we couldn't come to terms agreeable enough to continue that class with them. And there was, there was stuff that we enjoyed about what they brought to the table. Um, but there was stuff that we thought could, could be different that we liked about going to those events. Sure. Yeah. It's you know. nice when you can show up, the tracks yeah. rented, everything's there. All the details are done and you can kind of run the class. But if the class can't run without you and you see that being racers, you see that there's a desire for this, especially from other racers. Yeah. And unless you're going to be there, it's, it's really difficult to juggle putting on an event now, especially, you know, it's really difficult to run a car show and a drag race and all the different aspects that, yes. and, and you kind of have people that want a little bit of everything, they right? Do. Mm -hmm. yeah. But the reality is <clears throat> racers want to race. Yeah. Yes, they do. And they would like to maybe be able to afford a part if their car breaks and yep. make some money. Yes. yes. So being racers first, your inclination is like, we're not going to do any of this for the money. Right. We're going to do it for the racing. Yes. Yeah. And then that's when, the, you know, the slogan that kind of came up was for the racers, by the racers. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. So, And so where was, the, where was the first event and how did that come together? That was Reading right after that, Redding. really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think was, we did. Didn't we do a get together at Sacramento right after that before the Reading race? Where we tried it completely on our own. I think that's when we did the, we, at a, at a uh, test and tune. We got everybody together after the Sacramento event and there was a test and tune day in Sacramento. That's what it was. And so we got on social media heavy because we knew yeah. at that point we weren't going to carry on with Buggerama because mm -hmm. it didn't fit what we thought it needed to be. It just yeah. didn't work for both you guys. Well, and part of the reason, like I was saying about the, uh, not just the transparency with being able to talk to the guy that's making the rules or making the adjustments or, or holding people accountable, but you need to be able to find the guy and talk to sure. the guy. So if we're not at the track and we're the guys and this is our thing, who are you going to go talk to? Yeah. And there was, 
you know, I mean, neither of us are in this to, to, to throw stones or anything, but there was a lot of dares too. There was, you can't do this. You will fail. You know, it, it, go ahead. So then we do our first race and it was successful. Yeah, for what it was. Yes. And then it was, oh, you're a one hit wonder. So, and, and which which is typically we, we talked about this off the air for for a minute because I do an event and one of the things about putting an event on, you know, I've started my own car clubs, I've done, done yeah. all kinds of stuff, and it's one of those things where it's like you're part of an organization, you're like, you know what, I don't like the way this is going. There's two people. There's those that just cry about it, <laughs> and those that go start something. Yeah. Yes. And so I mean, I, I, my opinion, it's commendable to go do that because it's like if you think you do better, then do it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now. With you guys, what's the difference money-wise racing for Fast Four Cartel? Give me an example. Like payout-wise or cost-wise yeah, pay, or everything? No, no, payout-wise. Well, we've been extremely lucky and blessed with people that believe in the mission. Yeah. And, yes. and I and – I, well, we both – anybody that works with us or for us, all, we all agree that when people believe in something and, and you have – as much transparency as you could possibly have running a business, yeah. which I think we're ultra transparent on everything. Yes. Um, then that translates into trust and it, and it just builds momentum with people. And along the way, if somebody calls you and says, Hey, I want to put, I, I like this car and this class and this is my buddy. Yeah. And I want to throw $300 into this class. So this is how we started gaining sponsors really in the yeah. early days. People would just throw money so, at us. Yeah, somebody would call yeah. us or text us or send us a message. Hey, my buddy's racing the heavy class, and you guys are putting on an event there, yeah. and I would like to put $200 into the heavy class. Can you do that? No problem. So so this is what ended up happening, and it snowballed into a, a beautiful, great thing. If somebody says, hey, this is it, we don't cap the payouts. The payouts are based on car racer entering. We, since the beginning, when we first came out, and we talked with the all the guys that came to the first event in Reading, would you agree to pay this much into your payouts? Normal races when you go to it, and what I mean by that is a class entry fee. Yeah. Most races that you go to, and it happens everywhere, you have a standard fee to get into the gate, and you have a standard fee to race the class, right? And then the promoters will say, your purse is guaranteed to be this. And that's right. usually where it ends. Right, it's a minimum, but if the class is like three times the size, the payouts are still the same. Correct. Almost 99% of the more time. more money for the promoter. Yes. Exactly right. Exactly right. right. So, guys have figured out that are racing with us, if there's only four or five guys in the class, there's, a, for instance, if it's $100 to, for entry, we know, they know, five guys, there's guaranteed 500 bucks there. Minimum. Sure. So, they know if there's 10 guys, now there's guaranteed $1,000. So, honestly, that's been one of, that could be probably our best attribute to get this thing going, is showing guys, look, it's simple math. We even did it at the, the at the TNT thing before yes. we got this going on yeah. our own. And that's when we knew we were on to something. So was, we just go by the rule of thumb of class entry is all 100% payback. Yes. Yeah. So it could be five or it could be like our triple class. The last two races, we've had 29 entries. So that's some good, that's some good scratch to take home. Yes. Exactly. Makes it worth the weekend. That's good. No matter what, I think here, this is the funny part. No matter what, if you're racing even as a hobby, it's going to cost you 500 bucks for the weekend Completely. It, as a hobby. Like yeah. 
you have your own trailer, you're sleeping mm-hmm. in a tent. Like, right. forget if you got a rig and you got to spend 300 bucks to fire up the rig and then all that stuff. It's really a yes. $1,500 to $2,000 weekend to go yes. win 400 yeah. bucks. Yeah. Yes. And so we, we've already established the fact that it's more based on pride mm-hmm. and competition Completely. more than the money. Yes, now, completely. And, and we look at it, and, and me as, as the guy that sits on the stands and not really a dog in the fight, I've always been like, man, you know, there's it's, there's just so much fluctuation in the drag racing. This race you'll see these cars. That race you won't see these cars. And there's never consistency. Yeah. And everybody loves to see two things, the fastest cars and cars crash, right? Like that's, that's what <laughs> yeah. I mean, being Ambulance honest, chasing. That, that's yeah. what people get yeah. excited. But I think, you know, part of it is as you start to see that, I think it's an, it's interesting to get so, so what's the disparity in the class of the of, of times that they're running? Well, like, the, the fastest guys to the slowest. Yeah, guys? in one class, fastest to slowest. Oh, less than half a second. So this is part of the thing. Our format is Parody. now. This is heads up. I'm talking about the, the the foundation from the very beginning for us getting involved in starting something. The very core, the first brick underneath the building, if you will, is real competition. Not fake competition, no. meaning, and my I choose that word, but it's it's probably not correct. But I don't want to win because somebody else broke or they had bad luck. Correct. I want to believe before I even pull into the property that I have as good a chance of winning as everybody else. So the the competitiveness of building the, the foundation of what we stand for is we need to make sure that everybody is close enough that they can win either they cut a better light than the guy or they you know whatever the horsepower disparity where it comes is down to driver where it comes down to i'm on my game that day and so in the beginning now now we're reaching a point where some of the guys are spreading out a little bit because the guys are figuring their program out mm-hmm. uh, meaning different platforms but uh so th- so we have guys that have a good clean run we really don't want to see more than three four tenths because we race Part of the reason why we do what we do is there's there's two reasons why we run eighth mile. One is it closes the car up when there's a disparity in horsepower, meaning an aspirated guy versus a turbocharged guy or a boosted guy or a, or a nitrous car. Yeah, there's a big horsepower difference. Because naturally aspirated versus turbo or nitrous, that top yeah, end is where you can make. Exactly. And, it, and, in, and in the years of racing that me and Dean seen, even – him being turbocharged against other guys that were turbocharged. We always knew the guys are making big horsepower could hit the boost override button and third gear drive around them. So half track to the quarter mile, that's where you see who's really making the power. If you mess up on the lights, even if you're out horsepowering a guy, the eighth mile, it's the guy's already won. It's, it's too over. short. You can't it's catch too him. short to make up for an error. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And there's a lot of eighth mile racing in the Midwest and JK follows a lot of that stuff. And so you see now all of a sudden these guys are with, you know, two tenths in the eighth. Is a, is a half second in the quarter. Well, a half second in the quarter seems like forever. Right. Because the guy's got six car lengths on you. When they eight, two tenths is like, and the, the fenders are close. Yeah. And so, you can make up the difference on the tree. And you can make up more the competitive the to watch. Yes. Completely more competitive. And also, it comes down to, to driver, especially mm. if you've got Completely. huge. I mean, give me an example of being a non, like a non drag racing guy. Could, what, so what you're saying is based on gearing of the trans, you could have, like, in the eighth mile, a 12 second and a 12 and a half second car are super competitive on the eighth because you're at half track. Yes. So really gearing makes all the difference at that point. Gearing and driver. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so the other half of the coin with this, with the eighth mile racing, mm-hmm. it's not nearly as hard on parts. Right. You're not ringing the car out. You can turn the cars around faster. They don't need as long of a cool down time because you're not pulling tall gear in, in one of these cars. You're 
So the Volkswagens with four speeds, which is almost all of them have that, mm-hmm. you're you're shifting into fourth gear at half track. So you're pulling so the, the, whole last, the whole last half is fourth the whole gear. 600 feet fourth gear. Yeah. And that's where you're going to see the biggest load. That's usually where you're going to run into problems. You can have a tune-up that's way off, run eighth mile, run fast. Never know your tune-up's off. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So as, as, as like a non-drag like drag racing aficionado, that's surprising to me. It's surprising to me. but And also to me, because I was just telling you guys I just bought a drag car, it's exciting to me too because my, my whole philosophy behind drag race is like I, I don't need another really expensive hobby because I know I'm super competitive. But I'd really like to do it and have fun. Sure. And we've seen in classes, you know, I talked to Fred Simpson on a, a few podcasts ago, and we talked about so many things like the Super 1600 class and all these things, like where it started out, like what's the most cost-effective class that everybody can race and be yeah. competitive? And the problem is the guy with the deepest pockets always wins. Right, yeah. And so th- then you try to think, like, what's the equalizer, which then I think bringing the eighth mile in is mm-hmm. huge. It is. You know, and the tire, and yep. the tire. So now you 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 have eighth mile, and then you have like a big tire, small tire. Is that yes. what you have yes. here? Mm-hmm. So what's the tire size limitation? So six inches limit. So how we're evening up the horsepower differential in the light, light class mm-hmm. is an aspirated car can run an eight inch tire. Okay, right? eight and a half. Uh, anything that's got a turbocharger or a, or a bottle on it has to run a six. six. A skinnier tire. A skinnier tire. Yes. Right. Meaning if you're if you're pushing a hundred more horses, than a guy, you're just sit there and spin at the light. You're not that's getting traction. That's the theory. Yeah. So that's the theory. Is there is there a ratio or a horsepower number that a six inch tire is completely ineffective? And if you well, <laughs> <laughs> so this is the problem. We're now finding out some of the like the cars right over here out of Tom Kenny's camp. They're figuring out how to make the tire work with the horsepower level they have. Then that comes down to the launch, right? It comes down to like launch. launch control. Yes, which is not allowed. Oh, so you can't have computer-aided launching? No. no. Oh, no. really? No right. traction control. Right. Henceforth, the guy with the bigger wallet doesn't win. Right. Because you can't go buy the $2,000 computer the other guy can't afford. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like it. Well, yeah. I like it because I think, it, it, you know, if I'm following this correctly, a guy, like you said, the guy doesn't – because really when you're talking – you know, I've had Adam Wick on the podcast who was drag racing yeah, back yep, in the 90s, yep. and he's an aspirated guy. Yes. And he's – you know, because I said, bro, why aren't you going turbo? He says, turbos are for guys that can't make power. <laughs> and when you're talking yeah. like everything is to that level of precision, yes, tuning makes all the difference. Completely. Yes. And so cutting that track – and I mean, I, that, that sounds exciting to me because, like I said, on my drag car, I want to get it out there. I want to get as many passes in that thing without having to open my wallet up. And so yes. this sounds to me, I mean, like it's a stupid thing to ask for, right? Like I want a fast car, but the, my, my thought process is get a bigger amplifier and turn the gain down, right? Like yes. we're mm-hmm. going to go with like overbuilding it and underdriving it. Yeah, maximize the fun for the C note that I just put down. Right. I mean, and, and it sounds to me, is that a realistic possibility, especially with the tire limitation because – you can't just keep adding horsepower, right? Nope. No, you got to get more creative about it. Now that said, anytime you run a heads-up class, you're, you're at some point the money is gonna figure its way out to win because guys will get more savvy and smarter about it, and sure, you know, have have a smarter guy that's done something different and they try to implement it and they do a test and all of that. The heads-up racing is a is a tough thing, and it's a it's a difficult thing to. Uh, explain to guys that have different 
platforms, meaning different ways that they're achieving their horsepower because everybody thinks they have the one way figured out. But the other thing is, is you can give one guy all the horsepower in the world and he'll never figure it out. Nope. And then you can give a guy that doesn't have all the horsepower in the world and he'll figure out stuff that the guy with all the money could never figure out. Right. So you have, uh, it's not a huge list, but you got a short list of different levels, right? A racer that will either a spend the time and go test every single weekend. Yes. You know, we've got a guy, he's not here today, but he races. Yeah. He races, uh, NHRA events and they race that car. If it ain't twice a month, I'm shocked at big events. And he has all the best parts that you could put on that thing for the platform that he's got. I mean, electric shocks, you know, stuff that most guys are like, my whole engine didn't cost what your suspension costs. Right. Yeah. And I'm not picking on them, but they're they're so into it and so on, and they've been racers forever, um, that they invest and put the time in and this, that, and the other thing. And so, they know their program and inside program and, inside and, and out. out. Right. And so it's how do you tell a guy that, that he needs to be this or that when you have a guy that spends all the time and wins a bunch of events because he's just put the time in. Sure. That's the hard, that's the hard balance. Yeah. What I would tell a guy in, in a position like you, where it's not every single thing, you're not a professional Volkswagen racer. And this is exactly what I'm going to do with every weekend of my life, run an index class because there's plenty of fun there. You, all you have to do is build enough motor to hit the number. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and then really you could get I me mean, if you got if you've got a ten cent car and you're driving it running twelves, that car yes. is going to live exactly oh, yeah. right. And I would say the most important thing is cut a light. Every and time, really, I mean, even in the on the top end of competitive drag racing, it comes down to cutting the light every time. Every but time. even more so, I think run an eighth mile. Oh, yeah. completely. Because yeah. you, so then it's cutting <laughs> the light and like it's all driver at that point, really yes. for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's correct. So now, how do you guys come up with the tire splits? Like at what, like, you just thought like, look, if a car is because obviously a turbo car, it may hook good, but once you hit that three thousand RPM or whatever, it it may could, blow the tire it's off. just going to sit there. Well, so we watch, you know, some of the other uh, organizations and some of the other guys that are racing other things. My own personal, I've ha- I've had, I've got a few different cars that make a lot of horsepower, and so just from experience and paying attention to what guys do, I have a street car on a little tiny tire. And I've over horsepowered it to the point of where it's spinning in fourth gear and I'm hanging on for dear life almost. <sighs> so I don't wad the car up, you know? So yeah. in my head, I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be at some point. Yeah. 350 to 400 horsepower is going to be the limit for this tire without you wrecking. Sure. You know? And then, uh, we see what guys aspirated that. So this is the other hard, hard part about our job is trying to figure out what cars are out there right now. and What do they have? Because you can't build a race out of cars that don't exist. Yeah. So, so the delicate balance of what cars are out there that we can offer them something. And then how do you make adjustments so these guys can all play together without having to change the program? That's the hardest part is yeah. us being promoters. Now, what's what's the – in the beginning, it was the multi, multi-index class that was the biggest? It still is. It still is. So how many cars do you run in that class typically? It's, it's 27 plus at every race – and Probably the payout, last two years. The payout's first place only or first, second, third, or what is it? Oh. Uh, we pay out six places, Semis? I think. Yeah. So you'll take the money and divide it up starting at the lowest, the least place, then what's left over goes to the winner. Yeah, it depends on how it looks, but yeah. Unless, yeah. unless, and this is the other part that I think really sets us apart, is somebody has a direction that they want us to go. So uh, triple index last year in Medford, mm-hmm. had a gentleman approach J.K., 
and said, I want to throw this much money. I want to be a ninja. Yep. Nobody needs to know. A lot of times they don't want them to know. Right. right. But I want to throw what's the class and this, that, and the other thing. And so sends us a, whatever, I think it was a grand, right? Something like that. Yes. Yeah. Throw it at the class that you think it needs to go in or this, that, and the other. Like you guys talked about it or whatever. This was when Josh won. When Josh Triple. won. Yes. Yeah. So the, the index class. Okay. So the win, he was already going to win whatever our car count was of the day. That It wasn't 27, I don't think, then. No. Still 23, 24, whatever yeah. it was. So he was already set to win at least a thousand bucks probably yeah right maybe a little bit more but he ended um, up if i'm not mistaken i think his paycheck that day was 1750. yes wow yeah yeah i mean that's got to make you pretty happy especially if you didn't kill your car yes and drive it in the trailer <laughs> so let yeah. me ask this question you guys have been drag race for a long time and it's always been quarter mile have you seen since your since everything's gone eighth mile the breakdowns and the catastrophes go down quite a bit in percentage of cars yes. Yeah, substantially. Yeah, because I was I've got a, a a guy that I know that puts on the West Coast Hot Rod Association. I think Danny? it is Danny. Yeah. yeah, he's a buddy of mine. Topol. Yeah. Yeah, and he told me that because I'm like, why do they run eighth mile? He says because the cars have too much power to go quarter. Now, of course, these are all V8 cars and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I think the way you guys are saying it, it sounds to me like it doesn't matter about power. Like that eighth mile makes that starts to be the great equalizer. It it's is. an incredible tool for parity. Yeah. And I think that's just I, I, I think it's it sounds to me like more people need to know about it. And people that are, that are old racers are like, well, hell, yeah, I'll get in the class because I can't yeah. kill my car running an eighth mile, yeah. especially if I can get in a triple index. If I know my car and it's an X second car, but I know by half track, I'm nailing this. Yeah. No problem. I'm yeah. r- I'll run that all day. Cause I mean, well, and it's, and it's not just the parity, but it's also safety. Yeah. Now you're not ringing a car out 150 plus mile an hour. So some of the, some of the mile an hour specific requirements are not needed. Is it, is it less expensive insurance wise to run an eighth mile versus quarter mile from the business side? Uh, no, not really. Not for us. Cars well, mile let me take hour, that back to a certain degree. Yes. Because, um, when we talk with the facility about prepping the track, we tell them you only got to prep to eight. So, you know, they'll charge us X amount for a drum, X amount for gold dust, X amount for cleanup. Well, they love that we're only going to the eight because now they don't have to spray another four or 500 feet. Yeah. And what is it, you know, whatever a drum costs, then that, that falls off of the cost of renting the facility. Now, you were saying there's a lot of people that have been coming out of, like cars coming out of retirement. Mm-hmm. I mean, to come race in the class. I've got a few people have showed up that put their cars away and like, well, you know, I'll go, I'll support. Starts off with, I'll support you guys. And like, hey, yeah. this is the eighth mile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fun. So yeah. the, the, the other side of the cartel that is really, there's, it's like a 50-50 thing. What's I believe, or we both believe is our success. Not to talk for you, but we have to have an event that's not a half day, a one day event. Yeah. We said this since the very beginning. And it's kind of, it's been difficult because we need to find a facility that we can afford to rent, that we can be there all weekend and be in on Friday, you know, and put on a event that's for everybody. Meaning we have families and we know what it's like to go to a track. And I did it for years when I was younger where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go race tonight. And it's just me and I got my car and nobody else can come because I'm in such a rush. I get it out there, go down, make my five, six passes and then load the car up and head back home. Well, you can't make a night out of it, let alone a, two days out of it so and then and then the work that goes into prepping all your stuff to get out there almost could be a huge well yeah so one of the so to to go back and and talk about the buggerama group again 
their two races in Sacramento were a lot of us grew up going to those events. Right. Right. Were weekend events on three day weekends on Memorial Day, they, even though they weren't three day events, excuse me, they were two day events or a day and a half event. But it was stacked on a weekend where now we can go and hang out and be with our buddies. And then the one night we can race a little bit and we got time to barbecue and have a good time. And now I can bring the wife and the kids with me, maybe even so. Um, to build the full circle of what the cartel is about, it's really about all of us getting together and then having a place that's super competitive. Yeah. And then we do our best to do everything that we can to make it family oriented. The guys that are diehard racers have their spot where they can win good money and it's competitive. And it's an event where we can all hang out. And it's a like a, I was talking to somebody earlier today and it's like, it's almost like, you know, an old block party kind of vibe. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it keeps growing and, and, and this is the other thing I think makes us so great is I've, I've said since the beginning, and so is JK, we're all the cartel. This is what I tell people. It's not just me all of us. It's, it, we're a group. Right. So when everybody takes responsibility as a group, they keep the track clean. They follow the rules better. They want to be a part of it more. They want to bring their friends to them. But even more than that is their ideas are heard by us. And we've implemented tons of stuff. We do stuff now where... When we're doing our chip pull for the classes, we have a money chip in there. Where explain the explain the chip pull. So, one of the things that in the Midwest, um, this what would be more, I guess, grudge racing, you would call it street car racing, this kind of thing. Uh, not street car, but these guys are not no racing grudge. a tip a typical drag race qualifying format. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody was one of the groups was pulling chips out of a hat to pick the pairings. So, and this is the other thing that we do that's different than everybody else. Now, a couple of groups are starting to implement that a little bit, but the chip pull thing has really made it cool with a lot of people because you can still qualify. The guys that are really true racers can qualify and adjust that are heads up racers can figure out a way to get the slowest guy the first round so they can go an extra round. Right. Guys do that all the time. Yeah. We grew up around that kind of stuff. The chip pull takes that all out of the, out of the, so There's you no, can't manipulate. You can't no. sandbag. You no. can't. Exactly and right. You don't, know, you don't, you don't know, know who you're going to race. You're gonna run. You don't know what lane you're going to run. Right. So it throws an, a total different element into racing that's never been done in our in our world before. Um, and that's turned into being this huge, awesome thing. Yeah. And it's funny because the stuff that we've done like this along the way, uh, because it's different, we have people that are like, ah, I don't know. Like the triple index was the, was the first thing where that and the chip, well, I don't know about this, that, and the other thing, blah, 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 blah. And, and uh, like, just try it. Just yeah. try it and see it. And now people, they think it's the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. Because you add that element of luck. We've had the two fastest guys come from L.A. to race in Medford, and they raced oh. each other out of the same shop. Ashlyn and Jesse. Right. Yeah. Oh, really? They're yeah. the two, arguably the, the two, two of the highest horsepower we cars that were in that category they drew each other in the first beginning. round first round wow yeah and normally you don't get that no right at all you don't get anywhere near one of them will fall off and have some kind of issue okay so that they qualify lower if it's a pro ladder or sportsman ladder it depends on how you do that okay so with a chip pull it's and, all up in the air yeah and we've had you know there's a team that that's come that's raced forever the potters a's they've raced at sacramento god he's been racing since the 50s or something you know forever <laughs> honestly um, the dad has now the, the daughter races with him and, and they've drawn they've drawn chips and had to race each other multiple yeah. races. Father so, daughter uh, first round. And when you're pulling, yeah, and they're in a triple index, so there's 20 chips in there, and it's by the luck of the draw. Now on the triple index, what's the spread and times on the cars? 
So there's a, I purposely staggered at six tenths. Oh, really? Yes. And the reason for that is the tree is on a five tenths drop on a sportsman tree, right? So you pull up, there's two different types of, well, there's three different types of trees. But so the, the, a pro tree has got four tenths from the minute it goes light till your light comes on. So when you look at a drag tree, mm-hmm. it's got the three amber lights, it's got the staging beams on the top, and then it has the go and then the red. Okay, so if it's a non-pro tree, it'll go light, 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 green. Okay, so there's five tenths in between the two. So I did six so that you can't, can't count. Pass. Right, it'll throw right. you off. It's going to yeah. throw you off. I did, And I caught some heat. I caught some heat on that in the beginning, too. <laughs> but so the first race we had at Reading, between the index, which guys didn't like because they wanted us to have a bracket. I shouldn't say didn't like it. There was a number of them that kind of fought it. And then and then the staggered tree index. We had two two of the heavy hitters out of Sacramento. When I say heavy hitters, guys that have raced forever, that everybody thought, well, I can't win. Those guys went out first round because they couldn't hit their number. Yeah. Because they couldn't time the light. Because couldn't time the light and couldn't hit the number that the they had they had to run the number that we give them. And you guys do that based off consistent off their times? Yes. Yeah. So when you when you sign up for triple index, I'm good right now, buddy. Thank you. When you sign up for triple index, you get either a seven oh number that you have to hit, a seven six, or an eight twenty. Those are the numbers. You have to pick one of those three. And we tell everybody, pick the slower one that you can hit every day because this is the other thing that we do. You can't adjust a number. Like in a bracket race, if you got a thirteen second car and it gets warmer during the day and the motor gets hot and you can't run You'll say your first dial is a 13. Well, by the end of the day, you might dial a 13.5 because, you know, your valves are loosening up, the track's going away, the motor's getting hotter. Well, in the index, you can't do that. So you're constantly making adjustments as a driver to try to hit the index. That's what makes it. That's why I like index racing. So once you go into E-Limbs and you pick your number that you're going to choose, you run with it the rest of the day. Yes. So that makes it really. So then the drivers had to watch how he drives the car to try to keep it consistent. Yes, that's exactly right. Right. Now it takes the guy not only so first of all you got to be pretty darn lucky, and you got to be pretty darn good. Yeah. Not no. just a good guy wins every time. And this is you know the, I think the challenge is uh, is the challenge trying to find facilities trying to find facilities that you can afford. For us, yes. For us to you know we've had a number of Southern California racers want us to bring our program down there. Uh, the facility, the only one really that w- that would even be close to what we could do would be Irwindale now because Fontana is now defunct. But two years ago, before COVID hit, uh, we were going to go. We contacted the guy that was the manager of the Fontana track. And before Don. this is before we were even renting facilities. And we asked to piggyback onto one of their events. Yeah, right. We set it all up with Don uh, Leith Jr., I think is his name. And uh, now Fontana is the drag strip side is no longer. But at the time, he was like, well, I go, we want to bring three classes. And he's like, eh, no, I'll just bring two classes because you're not going to have enough cars anyway. And I'm like, well, we'll probably have enough cars. JK's like, we'll, we'll have plenty of cars. Everybody's going to show up. Nah, they're not going to show up. Okay. Yeah. So we did, uh, we we do a thing where we do a pre-entry for the heads up classes. So I so think we about, know who's coming. Yes. So we know who's coming. Advertise. So everybody knows who's coming. Yeah. It's advertising and all that. So he said, finally, in the end, he goes, okay, you can bring the third class, but you're not going to have that many cars anyway. So I'm not really worried about it. So the, the, First, I think the first class sold out in less than a Light day. Light sold out in t- less than 24 hours. Yeah, so 16 cars 16 signed up. 16 cars. We're running. And then heavy sold out in just a couple of days, less than uh, a week. I think. Less than a week. Yeah, so we had 32 cars right out of the gate within the first week. Wow. We hooked Don into our Facebook thing, and he's like, Holy crap, these guys are serious. Yeah. Because yeah, he'd never seen that many Volkswagens come to Fontana. Right. Let alone sell out the two classes. And then we still had the triple index class. 
So, um, we were all set to go down there. We were going to do it and piggyback onto one of their races. It was a, it's a weird kind of a, a the, dynamic, I, the dynamic with the timing of the cartel and, and sponsorship versus, uh, available sponsorship meaning shops were sponsoring other promoters at the time right so we couldn't get any it was it was weird that and it's probably because we were too young looking back on it now but we didn't have any sponsorship in socal we bring the event down there not one shop there's stepped a, up there, to wanna... there's definitely at the time there was definitely a divide yes so we go in we sell out 32 cars less than two weeks where we also had other events going on in norcal sponsorships sold out for the races in NorCal, but then we go into this race in SoCal and we didn't have one sponsor. So we were like, Oh, Oh shit. Yeah. How do we, yeah. Right. How are we going to do this? You know? And yeah, I don't know. It was tough, but it, it, yeah. that, that race ended up getting canceled. Yeah. Cause you didn't um, have enough money to do the no. payouts. No, no the or. track shut down. COVID hit. They canceled the drag racing side of Fontana, which is no longer available. Yeah. And so now Irwindale is the only track that's down there. So what other so in Southern California, Irwindale's only eighth mile track. Irwindale, Corona. well, first of all, Fontana was quarter mile, but Irwindale is the only track besides Barona, Barona. which is way down south in my understanding. Barona's down by San Diego. Right yeah. on the border. Yeah, close to the border. Yeah. Um, we went three years ago now to an event in Irwindale. Irwindale. Yep. Just to mingle and talk to people and look at the facility. And unfortunately, the way Irwindale's designed, I'm not a big fan of it because the cutoff after the eighth mile comes over, the right lane comes across. You got to be on the brakes, on the chutes, try to get in the other lane. Um, and I just don't know. You think it's a little too dangerous for yes. the real fast. Yeah, cars. honestly, yes. almost. And I'm not. This is not against anybody, but I'd be shocked if it's not every race. If it's not every race, it's every other race. There's a wreck. Somebody destroys a car. Yeah. And I don't know if that's track prep. I don't know if it's design of the facility. I don't know if it's a surface. But and I mean, ultimately, I don't think Irwindale does not fit into our style and our scope yeah. of our races. Yeah. You know, we don't want that half day event. Yeah. Yeah. We want. And we so want the, a whole event. The challenge you, know? you have is finding a track that you can afford for two days. Yes. Yes. And being able to, I mean, because this is pretty far up here. I mean, it I, is. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I definitely it was off the list for like. I mean, being here, I wish I had that drag car. I wish I could go try it on this track and do that <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah. stuff but yeah i mean i drove my my fifth wheel up to buggerama and that was like a, I, I thought i was gonna save 500 bucks in hotel rooms <laughs> and it cost me 500 more in Fuel. gas yeah pulling yeah. that thing yeah. all the way up there plus you know the the nine hour drive yeah. and now that i'm here like i haven't even seen the track running yet or any of this stuff but i love it i love that it's right here on the water i think this is yeah. such a cool event it is yeah and you know obviously the diehard drag race guys are going to be here no matter what yes. mm -hmm. you know right. now are, is most of your racing uh, most of your racing people from northern central and northern california yeah for sure and it's tough to get that because when you have so many events at your fingertips down in Southern California, right. why would you spend the time and effort to yeah. come up here? And But yeah. we, there's still the hardcore guys out there. I mean, we have a handful of guys that come from SoCal. We have a handful of guys that come from Oregon, well, obviously, Washington. Yeah. yeah, Las Vegas. Vegas. We had five guys from Vegas in Medford. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whole, there was a whole was, chunk of the pits that was taken up by them with banners yeah. and all. I'm like, who are you guys? Oh, this is awesome. We're from Vegas. You know? nice. And that's part of the reason why we do the, 
the two day yeah. slash early load in Friday. Well, yeah, thing. when so you got to come in and go travel. home, yeah. and it's it's like a it's yeah. it's a whole ordeal. Yeah, I mean, I've listen. This is the only VW drag race event I've ever hopped on a plane to fly to to come check out. So it must mean <laughs> something because I keep seeing what's going on in there, and I'm like, man, I want to go check that thing out, man. It yeah. seems pretty yeah. cool. I yeah. talked to George. George is like, hey come up here and i said you know let, let's just go check it out i just wanted to see what's going on and yeah i saw you know the tracks and pictures and stuff from last year and i thought i want to come check this out plus i want to support you guys and really that's what the vw hobby is about is like supporting each other yes. whether you whether you're in it or not because as we support each other it continues to keep it yes. going and, if and, you want the hobby to survive yeah yeah if you want the industry to survive yeah so cars you get on an average well, first, let's talk about the schedule. The schedule, how many how many events do you typically have every year? We did two in the beginning. Then we went to three. And then we went to four. And this year is four. <laughs> and the four events are? Uh, Reading was in the spring. Uh-huh. Then Medford. Okay. And now Samoa. here. And then and back then to Reading. go back to Reading in October. Okay. And so those, those are the four events that, I mean, if a guy's nailing his class, he's in the triple index class, and he wins all four events, sure. what kind of money is that guy taking home? Oh, he's going to take home probably close to five grand. Or more. Yeah, or more. That's yeah, so the chip pull thing, that's the other thing that we do. I mean, that's, that's semi pro money for a weekend racer, right? For a I've guy who runs a car four times that, a year? It, the only time that I'd seen that kind of money in Volkswagen racing is at a, at a one time only event pro where stock. everybody's there. So, the you know, there would be a national event in Vegas or a national event in Sacramento. But it's a once every couple of years. Yeah. Kind of and the crazy part is Vegas, I'm spoiled, right, because I'm in Vegas. We had such a great track there, and we'd have drag race stuff there. It's like guys come down from Colorado. All the guys come from all over California. Guys come up from Arizona. You know, you'd have this, kind of this meet in the middle thing. Yeah. And then I know that track is super expensive. Yes. Unbelievably expensive. And I've said on the podcast more than once that VW people, the average, are not really willing to peel off 25 bucks to get in. And then everything, I mean, there was like $25, you know. Yeah. And the reality is, unfortunately, it costs some money. I mean, I, I, in my head, the dream would be to watch the four lanes run the Volkswagens. How cool, sure. how cool would that yeah. be? Yeah. yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. I mean, on, on one of our events, and if we have full fields and if we go 16 cars heavy, 16 cars light, a good turnout in triple, good turnout in sportsman, good turnout in powder puff, money chips, gas chips. Uh, we'll pay out ten grand in a weekend. That's wild. Yeah, we've done it multiple times. Yeah, I mean, and and it's clearly you guys aren't making a living off this. I mean, this is right. something. No. And, and I think the reason it's successful is because there's a passion behind it for this to be successful. Very much. So. Completely. We have more and more. The, the kitchen's a perfect example, and Tom Kenny and his crew. Yeah. <laughs> wants to be a part of it the first event reading he showed up because he was so stoked that it was something new and different and then he got to meet us and he printed out our first shirts for us and then it was the next event or the one after that he's like i can come and i can cook some food and i got some guys and, and yeah. then it's just morphed into this thing we i think it was the medford event after the medford event we were doing uh we do facebook live stuff all the time you know we've done that since the beginning and uh i was talking one time and off the top of my head i go have you seen the kenny cafeteria that's what i called it Right. Right. And then now everybody talks about, oh, I got to go see the Kenny Cafeteria. It's just yeah. turned into this thing where this. it's you've got trays of food and tables and lights yeah. and this whole thing. And then 
he puts on the. Yeah, I haven't seen any other drag, drag race pits look like yeah, this before. Ever. No, I mean ever. the the yeah. Kenny Cafeteria and and Tom and his whole family, um, they have definitely 110 percent brought back the family vibe, in my opinion. Yeah. I've had numerous people between Tom Kinney, his family, and the Bergs. Yeah. Yeah. What they have brought to the table for the cartel, and I think those two are a huge reason why we have been successful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had so many people come up to me and say, this is what it was like in the 70s. This is what it was like in the 80s. Yeah, where it's the you enthusiasts know, are pushing the hobby. Like, yes. my wife is looking forward to coming to your races. My kids are looking forward to coming to your races. And it makes it so much easier for me to do what I love yeah. with my family that I love. Yeah, no, that's you know, and it's it's I can't say enough about not only Tom and and the birds, but all the sponsors, yeah, all yeah. the racers. I no, mean, if if, if if we didn't have the racers, we wouldn't have any of this. Yeah. yeah. You know, they are the show. Yeah. Yeah. And we try so. as hard as we can to appreciate every every one of them. So where do you guys see the future of the fast four cartel going? Uh, I don't think it's going to be that different than what we have now. I, I, what I would like to see, when we talk about uh, this event specifically, I'd like to see our races become a destination point for larger groups, car show groups, or um, there's large bus groups that go to different places and they hang out, you know. Yeah. Buses, humble. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, something like that. That's that's kind of what I envision, just yeah. more, of the, more of the same. Not, we don't. I don't think we want to change too much of where we're at right now. No, I think there's a good recipe. Yeah. No, you well, listen, know, it's, I'm not making money on my podcast. I do it because I love the hobby. I, lo- yeah. I love the hobby. I love documenting everything. And you guys have my full support, man. Just send me yeah. send me anything you have on it, and I'll promote the crap out of it on my end just to yeah. try to get people wow. here. Because I tell you, after coming to the location of this event, it's so cool just the spot where this track is. I mean, it is. It's just, yeah. Well, the only this is the first – there's never been a Volkswagen event at this track. That was another reason why we thought it would be neat to come here. Yeah. yeah. You know? yeah. And, Plus, and I, you know, you're getting out of the heat and you're trying something different and mm-hmm. the ocean's right there. And, yeah, there's, just, there's a bunch of that. But, yeah, no, it's – we appreciate you uh, doing this with us and yeah. doing what no, you're No, I love it, man. And anything I can do to help you guys yeah. to support, man, I'll, I'll do everything that yeah. I can because I, I just love to see the organic – the organic opportunity for the people that are in the hobby to build the hobby, you know, yeah. because that's really completely. Where it goes. And that goes back to the cartel where all the cartel I've said that, and he said it, come to it. If there's something that you see, come and we'll talk about it. I invite anyone who hasn't experienced the fast four cartel experience. Yeah. Come try it. Yeah. No. Right. It's like no other, in my opinion. I mean, I haven't been around the scene forever, but I've been into it for 25 years and it's, I haven't been to anything else like it. Well, yeah. and so if you if guys want to get connected with the Fast Four Cartel to get get updates on what's going on, where do we send them? We have a we have a web page, fastfourcartel.org, mm-hmm. or we're on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Instagram. Yeah. yeah. And if people want to donate to the classes, yeah. let's say get they, a hold of me they got or a couple JK. hundred bucks, and I'm going to throw a couple hundred bucks towards some class for these guys that are racing. Yeah. Yeah. And get a hold of either one of us directly. We. We're both very easy to get a hold of. Hey, they yeah. crowdfund everything else. Why not crowdfund this, right? Amen. So. Oh, that's the thing is that, and then and then you know, 
I think that's a beautiful thing myself is that, A, my buddy's racing this class. I want to throw a hundred bucks at it. And, and we've had, you know, in the past have raced at other places and seen other stuff go on and, and guys weren't, their promoters didn't seem, uh, they weren't into it. They weren't supportive of it. Yeah. Didn't like the side pot betting, any of yeah. that stuff. And we encourage all that stuff. You guys want to bet amongst yourselves. We have yeah. guys that do it when we do the chip. Oh, roll. really? Oh yeah. yeah. You want to, you want to throw class. 500 bucks at it? They just threw in 500 bucks on top of class entry. Really? I think Mike Clink. Yeah, it was right? like 3500 bucks or something like that. The uh, time was all paid, paid out. I think he won almost he, – he could have won almost 4K. Yeah, because they all decided there. amongst themselves. So they came up with – and this is the thing. So we have our formula that we're probably not going to break. Right. But we definitely like ideas, and we like guys sharing about that. So it, I think it was Mike or one of the guys said, what if, what if out of the 15 of us, 10 of us – Throw in 500 bucks or whatever it is, or six of us, whatever. Right? So now there's another $2,500 to play with. I think it was 10, or 10 yeah. of them maybe. Okay. So if you didn't put money into the pot and you win, then you don't get the pot money. If you put it into the pot and you win, you get whatever the cartel is going to give you. Plus, Plus we all pot. have all this extra money. So oh, wow. my son held yeah. the money at one of the races and somebody yeah. else held it at one of the other races. So, so then, yeah. oh, no, it was like, it was big. I know it was over 3500 and if you believe it, if you believe you're the guy, why not throw the money in there, right? That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love. I mean, that's it. a, that's a stout payday. I mean, when you have a dog in the fight, it makes it so much more, more intense to watch it. And yeah. it's also cash. Yeah. Where yes. else can you go? Yeah. You win. <laughs> and you get paid you get cash. paid with a check. Well, on your way home, you ain't buying a steak dinner with that cash. Right. Or with that check. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did, did we cross a state line when I came up here? Because this doesn't feel like California right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, it's that kind of stuff that we've figured out a way that we can do it and, and make it work for our version of a business model. And then what would be fun? What would the guys enjoy? What you know? And, and, and we definitely try to have our ear to the ground as much as we can uh, with following what is going to be what we need to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well. So. Listen, man, I appreciate you guys doing this because I know you guys are doing it for the love of the hobby, man. And I know I know you guys got a lot of important things to do and family and all that kind of stuff, but you love the hobby enough to put your yeah. time, effort, energy into this. And it, and it shows just in the two hours I've been here, you know, a couple hours I've been here, just just that everybody kind of gathering around and hanging around. Usually when I've always been in the drag races, I go through the pits and it's like everybody against everybody else. Yeah, no, yes. It's Not a here. different vibe. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it That's is. That's the first thing I know. Everybody noticed, helps so. everybody, and we say that all the time. Go. If, if you're especially if you're new to racing, walk through the pits here and go talk to someone. The, the Bergs are a beautiful example. Numerous stories. People will be like, I turned around and Doug Berg was helping me work on my car. Right. He helped me pull the tire off and told me what I should launch at. And then I'm like, Were you, you're talking, I mean, decades of experience, decades oh, yeah. of championships, decades of NHRA championships hanging on their wall. Yeah. It's not like a guy that's just kind of done it pretty good. No. Champ. <laughs> And there's multiple champs on the property, and all of them are like, no, dude, let's, you know, or your car's broke, and then we've what seen that need? a bunch of times. Yeah, you can borrow this, or there's five guys helping you fix let's your fix car. Let's fix it. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, yeah, guys, I appreciate you guys taking some time out to kind of help me let everybody know what's going on with the Fast Four Cartel. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing, and uh, I wish you continued success. Thank yeah, you. thanks, we brother. Appreciate we really you. appreciate Thank it. You. Yeah. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks. If you like that podcast, and I'm sure you did, make sure you share it with your friends. Take this podcast, copy the link, and share it to all your VW friends. Tell them they got to listen to Let's Talk Dubs. It's the best VW podcast out today. So appreciate when you guys share the podcast. It really means a lot to me. 
If you want to support, go to letstalkdubs.com, pick up some merch. Merch sales been picking up like crazy. And I do it because I love you guys. If you haven't got your shirt yet, that's because I'm having special sizes made for some of them big boys out there. Uh, I should be getting them back from the shirt guy this week, and I'll be sending them your way. So I uh, appreciate you guys with your patience. But let's get some shout-outs this week. Shout-out to Sam Coots from Westminster, Colorado. Picked up some merch. We appreciate you. Also, Charlie Ambron from Rockland, Maryland. And Stacy Trevino from Brentwood, California. Appreciate you guys supporting the podcast. If you want to get a shout-out on Let's Talk Dubs, there's two ways to do it. Pick up some merch and leave a five-star review. We love it when you do both. So make sure you guys leave a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to Let's Talk Dubs on. And don't forget, if you guys want to hear my prison podcast, that's out now too. There'll be a link in the description below. Click on the link to listen to Arrested in Mexico, 58 Days in a Mexican Prison. Well, till next week, guys. Later. Here's a Volkswagen that's big enough. The new VW Fastback Sedan. The Fastback also has the most powerful engine we've ever made. It's air-cooled. Since we made a VW that's a little roomier in the inside, Most cars have their trunks. We have a... Come into your Volkswagen dealer. He'll show you where the motor is.